Chapter 102. Poho, Bolivia. Search for the wedge-tailed hill star. I went early to wait by the taxi stand for Siberia, but there was no other customers. To hire a taxi yourself, expresso, as they call it, would cost me a hundred bolivianos, seven quid, which is plainly absurd. A woman was sat there, and when I told her where I was going, she pointed at a nearby lorry and said it was going up there. The only problem was that it was carrying guano de gallina, chicken shit, and we would have to sit in the back. It smelled truly awful, but there was a big tarpaulin over most of it, so I wasn't in direct contact with it. There was a space open at the back, though, and from there a pungent smell wafted forth. Normally when one is riding in the back of a lorry and it starts to rain, one gets under the tarp with whatever produce is being hauled. This wasn't an option, so me and the friendly indigenous lady had to grin and bear the icy wind and rain. It took about two and a half hours to get up to Siberia, at an altitude of 3,480 metres. It was the highest I'd ever been, and I was, to put it nicely, freezing my nuts off. I gladly jumped down from the back and gave the driver the usual five Boliviano coin. I asked a local if there was a shop, but that was closed, so I found another shelter underneath the front roof of a school where there was a couple of bored-looking guys hanging out. I was shivering badly. I asked them if there was another shop, and they pointed to a house up the hill that had a Pepsi poster outside. I shivered my way up there and greeted the old man on the porch. His wife appeared and opened the door to a house-slash-shop so I could see what was on offer. Some very old-looking crackers and bottles of Popular, the cheapest fizzy drink. I inquired whether she had any hot drinks, and she said she had coffee. Now I'd just given up coffee for my New Year's resolution, but I was so cold anything would do. I asked her if she had anything else, and she said manzanilla, chamomile tea. Super, a nice steaming hot cup of chamomile tea. She ran next door to borrow some sugar, and I cupped my hands around the life-giving warmth of the mug. It was still pissing it down, and I chatted to the couple for a while. I asked them if they knew about another Siberia, and she said she'd heard that there was another one, but didn't know where it was. I informed her that it was in Russia, and it was very cold there too. It finally stopped raining, and I set off back down the hill to start birding the fantastic roadside Yungus forest. The first part was alive with hummingbirds and other specialities like the red-crested cotinga. A bit further down it started to rain again, and as always seems to happen at these times, a really interesting bird, the endemic black-throated thistletail, started prancing around right in front of my eyes, doing all sorts of interesting poses, like it knew that I didn't want to take my camera out in the rain. I couldn't resist and tried to focus and shelter my camera with my coat at the same time, but they'd already got camera shy and hidden behind some vegetation. This repeated itself all the way down the hill. Further down I had a view over the stunning Yungus forest below. The rain got lighter and finally stopped further down, and the sun even made a brief appearance to warm me up a little and dry my clothes. I walked and walked until my legs were really aching and I didn't seem to be seeing any new birds. I flagged down a passing truck that, thank heavens, didn't have any excrement in it. Just a few boxes of vegetables. Just as I got under the carpa, or tarpaulin, the rain really started coming down and I counted myself lucky. The guy whose job it was to stand in the back for ten hours and occasionally load a box of strawberries was very chatty, if somewhat difficult to understand. I was relieved to get back to Comarapa, my dingy little hotel, after my little adventure. I thought I would give the Bolivian earth creeper in Tambo one more try. I'd reread my notes about where to find it and discovered that it liked dry riverbeds. I got out of the taxi about three kilometres before Tambo I checked every riverbed and valley I passed, remembering about the presence of deadly venomous snakes. 
I got to Tambo and followed the instructions a little more carefully to try and find the dry riverbed. I found a river, but it was almost bursting its banks, and certainly anything from dry. One problem with all these birdwatchers' reports and books is that they only ever come in the dry season when it's nice and easy. Birds move around with their seasons, and I usually, with bad planning, end up birding at the worst time. Still, if you only bird part of the year, you only get part of the picture. It may have been that the bird wasn't even there. I'd seen some other nice birds in the morning, including lots of golden-billed saltators. I got a taxi back to town and packed up my stuff. I was going to try and hitch a ride with a truck to Poho, the next major town after Siberia. I nipped to a local shop that seemed to sell everything and bought myself a big sheet of blue plastic to shelter myself in the back of the truck. After lunch I waited at the edge of town, but little went past and nothing stopped. I came back to the hotel with egg on my face and sheepishly bought a bus ticket for the night. The reason that I wanted to arrive in Poho during the day is that I didn't know if there was anywhere to stay or not. Oh well, just have to wait and see. I killed a few remaining hours walking around the little country lanes near Komarapa birding, which is very pleasant. There were lots of hummers and other common open country birds, like shiny cowbirds. I went back and had dinner and then got on the bus. It must have been about four hours before we arrived in Poho Cruce, the turn-off for Poho, four kilometres in the valley below. I'd fallen asleep by this point and was woken by the driver yelling, Poho! Poho! A pickup met the bus and took the few passengers down to the town. It was a very pretty sight by the light of the full moon, and I was told by my fellow passengers that it looked even nicer when the lights were on. They seemed to be suffering a blackout just when we got there. I nonchalantly asked one of the guys if there was a place to stay, and he said that there was. He was even nice enough to take me there and wake up the woman owner by banging on the gate. A sleepy voice shouted something like, Equince boliviano, sabes? It's fifteen bolivianos, you know. Like the one pound price tag was going to scare me off. There were mosquitoes in the room buzzing around my head, but they all seemed to clear off somewhere, or maybe I was just too tired to notice. In the morning I asked the lady what time buses went back to Cochabamba and she said 5pm and midnight. I packed up my stuff and left it outside the door of a house just in case I found my bird and could leave. I may well decide to stay another night. I started walking up the hill towards the main road. The hillsides were bare of plants and covered with slate. It looked a bit like whales. About halfway up a taxi stopped and picked me up. He dropped me at the top and charged me the full fare. I started walking along the road, which was lined with some fields, but also trees and other native vegetation. Within about five minutes, I saw a brown bird hopping up a bare mud bank. When I got my bins on it, I couldn't believe my eyes. It was a Bolivian earth creeper that I'd searched for for two days in Tambo. A bit further, I saw another bird I'd wanted to see for ages too, the smart-looking olive-crowned crescent chest, with its white throat, chestnut belly, and of course a black crescent across its chest. South American birds got such cool names. The road went down and down into the valley and passed a couple of small communities to a bridge over a river. The area was quite agricultural with apple orchards and fields with watermelons. Men carried very heavy-looking sacks of these up to the main road to be picked up by passing trucks. One of the guys shouted over to me, asking if I wanted to buy a watermelon. They were huge though, so I said maybe I would buy one on the way back. I tried to keep track of the kilometre markers, but they were very confusing. Some were from Cochabamba and others from Santa Cruz. They seemed to have changed the numbering system too as the old ones didn't correlate. I walked up and up the other side of the valley and reached an area with decent-looking habitat. I worked out from the kilometre 317 marker that it was maybe the site mentioned in the book for the endemic wedge-tailed hill star, a very unique-looking hummingbird. 
Just after the marker, a hummingbird in flight caught my eye. It perched in a nearby tree, and when I got a look at it, I saw it was indeed the hummer I was looking for. It was a female, but still quite attractive, with a rufous belly and throat heavily streaked with green. I reached slowly for my camera, but it flew. I waited for about half an hour, but it didn't come back. I spent two days looking for it on the Cuyacoyo Road about a week ago without success. I carried further along the road to where it reached the top of the valley and entered another. Really spectacular scenery. A huge Andean condor soared majestically past. What a day! I kept on walking and must have gone about 20 kilometers in total before my body said enough was enough. It had been uphill most of the way and I was probably over 3,000 meters by now. I'd reached a little gorge coming down the valley with some rare polylepis trees, but I didn't see any birds there, and it started to rain, so I sheltered under my blue plastic sheet until a truck came by and I crawled in the back. It was almost full of potatoes, and there was also about ten people wedged between the bumpy sacks and the blue carpa. It stopped in a little town called La Habana to load even more tatties, and it was an uncomfortable ride back to Pojo Cruce while I chatted to some road workers. No taxis were going back down to Pojo, so I ran down using a shortcut. A bus passed me and I thought that might be the late 5pm to Cochabamba. I ran back to the hotel, grabbed my bag and rushed to get on. I was absolutely exhausted and was soon fast asleep in my seat for the seven-hour ride. 